a church bishop gets robbed at gunpoint during his sermon, and the criminals walk off with $1 million in jewelry. And an atheist apologist shows the inconsistency of attempting to use Marvel's Thor and painting it as a Christian message. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be discussing a recent holdup. And when I say holdup, I mean at gunpoint during a sermon that was live streamed for so many people to see, which actually brought forth a number of questions, not only about the gunmen, and hopefully they are caught and prosecuted, but also about the pastor or bishop who was stolen from, who actually had all their stuff stolen from him and his wife. But also, we're going to be looking at a little bit of, I guess you would say, an apologetic for atheism, and that's exactly what apologia is, and his response to Sean McDowell's article regarding Marvel's new film on Thor, Love and Thunder. And as we look at that, we're going to have to do a little bit of some I told you so regarding uh, the recent, I guess, movie and the plans that so many Christians have done, even brothers in Christ, to take some of these Marvel films or other things that are out there and use them to try to portray some sort of Christian message from them and why that is not only inconsistent, but actually can be dangerous to believers in regard to getting them to watch this form of entertainment. But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about this Bishop Whitehead, who, guys, this is no laughing matter. He was held up at gunpoint during a live stream service. And while doing that, not only did he get his stuff stolen from him, his jewelry and so forth, but also his wife as well. And one of the things that has happened here is not only people are questioning, well, who are these gunmen and why did they know to steal from this man outside the fact that he has been known to brag about his money, um, but also where on earth and why on earth are a couple of quote-unquote ministers sitting around with a million dollars worth of jewelry on a Sunday morning? And... That brings a lot of questions uh, to be asked, and this happens a lot of times when we look at some of the things in the prosperity movement with guys like Creflo Dollar, who recently, after making a ton of money off of tithing, now says he doesn't believe in tithing. We'll see how long that lasts with all of his jets and so forth. And also when we look at some of the things that Kenneth Copeland has been involved in and some of these other false teachers that as the Bible describes, uh, their God is actually their belly, their appetite. It is the very things that they are allowed to get from using and abusing the Word of God in a manner that nobody should ever do. So I want to read from this article on ChristianHeadlines.com where it talks specifically about what took place. And it says, quote, Many news reports about Whitehead over the summer referred to him as, quote, flashy. There's also been criticism about him touting his wealth on his Instagram feed. He defended himself in an almost 40-minute Instagram video about the robbery. Quote, 
It's about me purchasing what I want to purchase, Whitehead said. It's my prerogative to purchase what I want to purchase. After the suspects grabbed more than $1 million in jewelry, they fled on foot and jumped into a white Mercedes-Benz, according to police. No suspects have been identified or arrested. The pastor told CBS News that there were approximately 100 people in attendance, but according to CNN, police placed the number at 20 to 25. You'll notice a lot of times that the boisterous naming of numbers and so forth, and also bragging about wealth, which, by the way, typically comes at the hands of other people working their hard-earned jobs uh, to give cash to this man. And it's heartbreaking because instead of using it for the glory of the gospel, these false teachers, like him and others, use it to their own appetite and do not understand the scriptures nor the power of God and do not understand the contentment that they should be looking for, whether abased or abound, and none of it should be found in bragging and being flashy on your Instagram page regarding money. And I remember having a discussion with someone who believed in the prosperity gospel, and he had been a drug dealer before, and a man that I was witnessing to at the time was also friends with him, and he told him that he actually said to him, that if this whole pastor thing doesn't work out, that he'll just go back to selling drugs. Now, uh, the drug of the prosperity gospel that he was peddling is no more or less any worse (laughs) than the drugs that he's killing people, he was killing people with, or people were losing their lives to, because people are going to lose their eternal life when they are looking forward to and think that they can command God and tell him, what they are to have, that they can blab it and grab it and they can just speak it into existence and so forth because they do become little G gods in their own mind. And just as it says in Psalm 82, they will perish because of it. And so we need to look at these things and recognize them and see that this flashiness is really grotesque and disgusting. I am not saying that those who are ministers of the gospel should not make their living off of the gospel and that they shouldn't be provided for and so forth. But bragging about your money to the point of being called flashy and wearing over a million dollars, reportedly, a million dollars of jewelry between your wife and you on a Sunday sermon, guys, that is a major issue. That is to the point that, man, what an absolute waste. And I can say this as just getting back from Costa Rica where Most people that go to Costa Rica are going there for vacation. There are a lot of beautiful places and so forth to go to. Um, But we actually went to a place called Heredia, which is about 10 minutes from the capital of San Jose. And we got to go door to door, uh, knocking on doors and sharing the gospel with people. And I could not believe how many people ended up coming to faith in Jesus Christ. They're now being discipled by the pastor that we've been planting there. And this is somebody, it's crazy enough, that has actually been burglarized or robbed multiple times since we started doing ministry with him out there. And it's a reality that he has to live through. But the things that he has had stolen from him are guitar that he would use for worship or literally tools that we were using to help build his house. It's so interesting that we've had a pastor that we're building up in Costa Rica literally be robbed once at gunpoint and then also one time when they were in their own house and didn't even know that up 
above where the other house, the houses, he was in his parents' house. His house was being built where the tools to build that house were being stolen. But nonetheless, I looked at that and it just broke my heart. And it made me think, not only do I have sadness for those that are giving money to people, crooks like this and crooks like um, so many of these false prosperity teachers, but it makes me sad for them specifically about not having a true gospel, about not having a, a message and a hope from the scriptures that surpasses all understanding. And this is what I mean. In Philippians chapter 3, it speaks of, these, of, of just false teachers in different regards. But in Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 17, it says, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I have often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly or their appetite and whose glory is in their shame. And in all honesty, that one right there, their glory is in their shame. I look at exactly what happened to this quote unquote bishop. And when he's stolen from it almost was like his dirty laundry pulled out. Look at how much jewelry you're wearing on a Sunday sermon. That should be embarrassing to you when you are right there in a place not far from you that there are people dying because they don't have enough to eat, whatever it may be, and you're wearing nice jewelry. Like that's more important to you. It's really sad. It says, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. This is what we get to be a part of. We don't set our mind on earthly things. We set our mind on things above. And I look forward so much to the exaltation. I look forward so much to seeing my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, face to face. And then Philippians chapter three, just a little bit earlier, starting at verse seven. I love this. But whatever things were to gain to me, these things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, or as he also describes in Romans chapter 5, verse 2, that we gain access to the grace of God by our faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. These are glorious statements from the Apostle Paul who left the Pharisees. He could have been a not only just a celebrity, a, a religious celebrity and left that to be abased and left that to be beaten and to be shipwrecked and to have false brethren leave him. All these things that took place that he brags about in 2 Corinthians. He brags about all the hardship. That's incredible. But I have to go to specifically when he talks, uh, I think this might be the most misquoted verse in all of scripture. Philippians 4.13 might be. It's, you find it on basketball shoes. You find it written on you know different things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthen me. I can tell you right now, 
I still can't dunk a basketball. I could keep, you know, whatever. God has limited me in that capacity, right? Unless he wanted to uh, suspend the laws of gravity, I'm still not dunking that ball, okay? But, but nonetheless, there are certain things that's not what he's talking about. Oh, I can do all things through Christ. I'm going to win this basketball game or this baseball game or this wrestling match. That's not what he's talking about. So if we start at verse 10, we actually get what he's talking about. And this is what I mean. Prosperity teachers have to miss this. Instead of having this secret, this key to contentment, they miss it because they don't really care what the scripture says because their God is their belly rather than the one true God. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live with prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. That is the context of Philippians 4.13, abased or abound. I have everything or I have nothing in terms of what this world would say. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. And then right after this, guys, he is going to applaud the church of Philippi, the one that in the very first chapter, he says specifically about them that he's confident in the work that God began in them. Why was he confident that God would continue the work he began in them? Because of their continued perseverance in the faith, because of their continued help for the gospel. And this is what he says. You yourself also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, by the way, totally rich church, a ton of money, very affluent, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. This is amazing because what Paul is expressing is that they are going to have a profit in their account when it comes to the gifts that they are giving Paul so that the gospel is furthered. It's amazing. It's awesome. And this is such a blessing that the giving that happens shouldn't be to clothe your pastor in a bunch of million dollars worth of jewelry and his wife or a private jet or whatever nonsense, but that it should be the for the furtherance of the gospel. If somebody provides so that their pastor can be full-time because of the needs of the ministry are required, that is an absolute blessing that, guess what, instead of doing tile for hours and hours a day and then getting back to the ministry that the church says, no, we want you to be able to witness to the sick. We want you to be able to take care of the orphans and the widows. We want you to be able to prepare sermons and counsel and do these things and so forth. So we want to help provide for you. And the fellowship agrees to that. That is entirely different than let's give a bunch of money so this guy can dance on it like Creflo Dollar has in the past. Let's give you a bunch of money so you can scream out like Kenneth Copeland bragging about your money and all the stuff that you have in your expensive suits and all this nonsense. No, for the furtherance of the gospel, now guess what? Because we are seeking the kingdom of heaven first. God provides everything that we need and we can continue in the furtherance of the gospel and it can be credited to your account. It's amazing and I love it. And this brings me to, I I know that's a hard transition, but please bear with me uh, because we only got a little bit of time left. But I wanted to talk about this because this is a I told you so 
that I don't like talking about, but it is a real I told you so. And I had mentioned Sean McDowell earlier. It's somebody we've interviewed on this show. I believe in a lot of ways he's a great apologist, but I do have a big problem with his big fandom of the Marvel and, and DC stuff. And specifically, a recent article, it had popped up on the Twitter feed here. And this was the article. It says, here's the Christian message you might have missed in Thor, Love, and Thunder. Now, for most people, as soon as they see that, they probably go, wow, um, I can't believe Christians are missing the message there in Thor, a Norse god, and (laughs) a movie made about a Norse god, and so forth. I can't believe we're missing the Christian message. And we're not the only ones pointing this out. In fact, Apologia, who I believe is fairly dishonest in a lot of ways as well and has been proven that when trying to make points by um, guys like Gary Habermas and so forth. But nonetheless, uh, I saw him write this, uh, writing back to Sean McDowell regarding his article. He says, quote, the author completely misses the point of Thor 4, that relying on gods for purpose or morality is the mistake. Now, do I agree with Apologia? Yeah, I actually do. I think that's exactly what he's missing here. And I understand what Sean's trying to do. And there's a method... Uh, I believe it was taken from C.S. Lewis, also not a fan of his, but uh, but nonetheless, and it talks about good dreams where people were, you know, seeing Christ pr- before they understood the message of the gospel. And so the things that they were writing about and seeing and therefore would exemplify what would be the true message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it was all the knowledge that they had at the moment. And I believe what Sean is drawing from and guys like Frank Turek and so forth, and we've talked about their books, um, or Frank Turek's specifically book on this and why we disagree wholeheartedly with promoting the entertainment of witchcraft and so forth and claiming that there's Christian messages hidden in them. Um, And I understand that they're trying to make the point that you can't get away from the Christian message, that every time you have a, a redemption message that you're going to still have to draw from the truths of the biblical reality. But... If we could just go, just like we do with exegesis, trying to get the author's intent, it's really important that we get the author's intent when we're looking at biblical exegesis. It's probably important that we understand the underlying attempt that is trying to be conveyed. And instead of it simply being my opinion, I'm going to read from Jason Aaron talking about his run on Thor, which is specifically what this recent film is regarding. Thor, Love and Thunder, it comes from Jason Aaron's write-up or his run on the comic series for Thor, and that started back in 2012. And so I'm going to read from it so you can get the intent so that we're not just taking it and ripping it and saying, oh, this is the message we missed, the Christian message that we missed. And here's what it says. This is on Entertainment Weekly. It says, quote, Everything with my Thor run boils down to the fact that I was a kid who grew up in the South. I was raised Southern Baptist, raised with religion and faith being a part of my life. I hit a point in my college years where the faith part eroded for me, and I've been an atheist for more than half of my life at this point. So taking over Thor, who is at this point the most renowned god in Marvel Comics and very much wanting to lean into that idea of his godhood, it became, how do I approach that as an atheist? So I think it was very much about me writing the kind of God that I would like to believe in. So we have Thor Odinson questioning his own worthiness, looking at other gods around him, realizing these guys aren't always the best role models. 
and trying to lead by example. Now, not only have we warned that this is exactly what's going on, we did multiple episodes talking about Jason Aaron and his hatred towards God, and that there isn't a Christian message at all, but actually a message that tries to attempt to use what is called divine hiddenness and then get people to no longer trust in the one true God using Gore the God Butcher, who is the main villain in the most recent film. But if you just have our opinion, maybe it's just that. So let's get the opinion of an atheist watching this and what he thinks, because somebody actually replied to Apologia and said this, Gore became the way he did solely because he found out his God lied to him. And the action Thor took to convince him was to have love for another, not love for a God. And Paulagia says this, exactly. Gore's story is my story. So the I told you so, as we mentioned, was the fact that so many people are going to find this quote-unquote divine hiddenness and then apply that to themselves and question God and so forth. And Paulagia is saying that's exactly what he saw in the Gore series. And by the way, the guy writing it, the guy who wrote the runs that now are the very thing that they're making these films out of, tells you that's what he's trying to convey. And so when we look at this and when we see this and say, well, let's just repackage this in a Christian message— I'm sorry, it's the same thing I saw when I went and visited Rome. You see false gods, and they put a cross on top of their head, and they say, well, we can still worship these gods. We'll just call them saints and so forth. No, we need to be a kind of classic. We need to break down those idols, smash them, and say, I want nothing to do with them. And this does not convey who the one true God is, but simply a polemic against God from angry atheists who hate God. And so... With that, I just want to encourage you guys, turn to the one who loves you. He is the God of all comfort. Our God is a good, good God. You can put your trust completely in him. And if you ever wanted to see no hiddenness whatsoever from God, you can look directly at the person of Jesus Christ when God became a man and not only became a man, he even became enslaved when God became a man. And not only became a man, but came, became a doulos, a servant, the lowest form of servant here on earth. He emptied himself, taking on that form, and not only dying, but dying a death on a horrible cross. Not just simply dying in excruciating pain in private, but doing so publicly. And not just simply raising from the dead, but doing so publicly as well. So you can know without a doubt, God isn't hiding. He is right there. His arms are not too short to save, and you can come to him at any point, and he will save you. This has been Chad Davidson, and this is the 511 News. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.